Welcome to the No Filler Show. Filler means a substance used for filling cracks or holes in the surface, especially before painting it. That is the actual definition. In my show, I spell it P-H-I-L-L-E-R. My definition means we are not filling in cracks, we are not filling in holes or anything of that nature. Oh, my bad, I totally forgot. My name is Amina and I'm your host. Back to what I was saying, we are having honest conversations with each other, allowing all opinionated conversations to happen. As the host of this platform, I want to speak truth to power. In this podcast, people are allowed to be comfortable expressing themselves, speaking nothing but authenticity. Before we go any further, this podcast doesn't allow any hate. My ultimate goal is to interview any and everyone. I don't have a particular lane. I don't fit in any particular crowd. I want to reach any and everyone. Thank you, and stay tuned. When did you fall in love with hip-hop? First time I can honestly say that, like, music really kind of just caught me and held me, like, held my attention was Biggie. Like... You know that's where the question come from, his, uh, his album, right? Where did oh, that is? Damn, see, I didn't even know that, but that's crazy how Calvin Tune is right now. It, it was... <laughs> It was Biggie, and album. it was it was Ready to Die, but it was, and I say, I'm going to say Ready to Die, that album first, but I say the first song that I can remember really just having ingrained in my head was not from Ready to Die. It might have been uh, Life After Death, and it was I Got a Story to Tell. Because I was, I was just, stories always captivated me. But the thing that I noticed about Biggie, and this is, even to kind of bring Tupac in there where I was more Biggie than Tupac and I never understood the whole big Tupac is better than Biggie thing if he was talking rap ability. I could just remember Billy, Biggie's flow was so crazy that me being young and I even understand what he talking about. I could just memorize it, the words, and it became a thing in my household like, yo, 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 spit, spit that song, spit the song, just perform. Like fucking uh, Eddie Murphy in the beginning of Raw when he got the kids drawn. It was like, I sit there be cursing and everything. <laughs> and I don't know I'm cursing, but this the, this is what he said. And that joint just captivated me in terms of just his flow. And that joint just, from there, I just kind of got stuck in the whole, like I said, you got the bad boys thing. I was crazy bad. But I was so into music at that time, I thought I was a part of the East Coast, West Coast beat. Like I thought this shit. Like seven. <laughs> but like that's how that's how that's how real it was. I was like, damn, Shook Knight and them gonna be on my ass. I'm in here listening right. to Biggie and shit. <laughs> Do you know the crazy thing is, uh, he, Tupac went to school in Baltimore. Yeah, that was that was that was that was he the thing that always in New York. New York. That was the thing that always like confused me. Like, how are you West Coast but you from the East Coast? So I can say Biggie is the first thing that really caught my mind. And I'm not going to say now. Now prior to that, that's what really held me. Leading up to that point, I you know just being around older people, you got I got you know I got the introduction to certain Wu Tang songs that just kind of stuck. Like this, these are songs that stuck with me that I didn't know would stick with me. They would just be played around. I'm like, all right, whatever this is, and then come back like, damn, I used to always listen to this right. song. And then from Biggie, from Biggie, I kind of it's kind of weird because I go into I didn't I didn't I, went from, I didn't go from like Biggie to Jay Z. Jay Z. Well, was Biggie it? and Pooh and Jay Z. Yeah, it was like that's kind of why I and lean they, towards. And they got him. a song together before he died. But uh, before I even got to Jay Z, rapper, another another just like growth moment for me was Memphis Bleak album. The understanding, 
listen, I was listening to that album initially and I heard Jay-Z on it. I was thinking to myself, like, damn, who the boy who keep getting on fucking up Memphis Bleak songs? Like, you can't rap, like. But that kind of made me go listen to Jay-Z. So at this time you're talking about the understanding, being C was like first couple albums, the reason, then like the dynasty. And then that's when I was hooked on I was visually hooked in Rockefeller, like, alright. I'm gonna be signed to Rockefeller. I'm gonna be a rapper. I'm gonna be signed to Rockefeller, oh, that's and that's crazy. the way I was going. Chain, yo. And then that's still yo. <laughs> Listen, my screensaver, if you can see it, <laughs> is a Rockefeller chain. Me. Like I still, I don't care if they not Rockefeller not together no more. Niggas still getting chains. I need to be a part of the fraternity. <laughs> I feel like you owe me at this point. I didn't put too much time right. in for you to let Rockefeller fall apart, and now I can't be signed. I want to be signed to Rock Nation. That shit not real. Anybody on Rock Nation? Rock Nation. <laughs> <laughs> so and then you dedicated them. And then high school comes. No, all right. So then I go through a phase where I think it's, I don't know if it's just a Philly thing, but music disappeared and it was just straight battle rap. Reed Dallas, Joe Jahan. It Jahead, was a Philly thing. I really, Meek. Feel, I really feel like Philly started. Bad. Yeah, it was I like that started. was. I'll sit there in front of the. Reed Dallas, I sit there in front of the computer and just watch YouTube videos all day. Like it was like Joey Jahan. Joey like I, I, uh, I'm gonna say Cole. Cheek. It started with Cheek. It yeah. went from Cheek. Then I kind of went to like Joey. Was, and then I seen like Beans was rocking right. with Joey. So I'm right. like, all right, Joey gotta be nice. And then Reed was like 15, 16. Yo, came it. out of nowhere. With the he did the Ethan Jones, ah, yeah, don't make me grab good. cheek and hit him up proper. Send me all them choppers, kid. I'm like, what the fuck is going Yo, on? But it, as crazy. a child, this is all. So then I went now Virginia. With, with I'm I'm, in, I'm going down Virginia with my rap battle swag, but then down there they listening to something totally different. Mm-hmm. Down Virginia and Charlotte and Atlanta where I was living at. So then I started getting introduced to like, you know, the three six and. You know, heavy, even even more heavy Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mix, Wayne had millions of mixtapes. I'm listening to songs that I wasn't even done. And then <laughs> Young Dro and T.I. Young Dro. And then that joint changed. Young Dro first album was like, oh, yeah, all right, this shit crazy. And then introduced to Lupe. And then everything just is just history. <laughs> like, Lupe was like, you got to do this shit. You got to do it like this. Though. You got to be this smart. You got to rap like this. Flow like Biggie. Rap with Lupe content. Jay Z type of swag, J Cole type of realness. You know what I'm saying it was like putting all those together. These people were like, in a sense, like you know, markers for me. Milestone points was like, all right, this is the thing you need. Then together, I just put that shit together, and some, I don't know, I just started having. So that was like that's like a brief timeline of, you know, my, my love with music. Are you still love it? Love with? Are you still in love with hip hop at the state it is right now? Uh, like take yourself out of it and just be the person on the outside. See now, this is for me. Honestly, I don't. In terms of hip hop as a state, I feel like hip hop is always going to be what it was. Like it can change. It's change. It's we're, we're. I feel like we add into it, and I feel like only us as black people do this. We don't have genres within hip hop. Like you got different types of rock. You didn't don't put everybody in the same type of category. So for me. It's a certain level of artistry that goes into hip hop in terms of, you know, this is grammar. These are there are real there are real like literary devices that come into play when you write it. And I feel like these were all components of hip hop, poetry, you know, all these things. I, I I think not all music that we call hip hop has that and we just put a 
you just put hip hop on anything black people do. It's not all the same. Or urban. Yeah, and it's like so. In terms of hip hop, I feel like the pe- for the for the hip for the people who love hip hop is still there, but you gotta look for it. Like I said, so the, the time and spaces that were created when people created stuff like Illmatic and Reasonable Doubt and you know Ready to Die and the Wu Tang and all these things, those things yeah. are still continuous. So that's what I'm saying. You got a line. If you're talking about doing hip hop, it's about being aligned with that. And that's where I'm at with my music, and that's why I say I like. For the, I like where it's at in terms of who you listen to. You know, who do you think is carrying it? You know, you get certain people who come in, and then you start fusing stuff, and it becomes like an identity thing about what's hip hop. Is little Uzi hip hop, and it's like based on what y'all we said hip hop was. This wouldn't really be it. This again, hip hop gave birth gave birth to a lot of things. Little Uzi is something new. I feel like when something new comes along, comes along, it gets crazy, and then has to stabilize, and then again, out of that, you start getting hip hop again. But people understand how fresh this shit is still. Like it hasn't been forty. Around. It's like only forty something yeah. years around. Like like Jay Z is off. Jay Z is people look at Jay Z and it's like, oh, you old and rapping. It's like ain't nobody ever been this old and rapping. So he's about the same age as when it started. Yeah, and I'm Pretty looking at like, like <laughs> music is your mind. It's not like athleticism yeah. or something where you lose it unless you're not sharp in your mind. You can always if you if you have the fire and the willingness to you can always make a good hip hop album. Like Black Thought drop an album right now. Hip we gonna say right. hip hop. <laughs> right. We gonna say hip hop. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I do think it it, it, it depends who you listen to. And again, it's a, it's, a, it's a frequency, it's a vibe. That hip hop is a, it's a it's a vibe, it's a frequency. Not everything give me that, so I'm not just quick to say hip hop is dead. Hip hop is gone. Sometimes I think it goes from where everything goes from a state of being inactive to somebody waking it back up again, bringing that feeling back. Uh, just briefly listening to the JD Kiss Fabulous mixtape, it gave me a feeling again. It gave me that feeling again. It's like said, oh if you don't God. know what I'm talking about, you don't know. But if you know, you I, know. <laughs> I for, like I remember when I first heard, I just forgot where I was at, and I just kept the music just going the whole time. And I just, I just laid. I was in, no, you know what? I was in my house, and I just laid there, and I just had the headphones on in my bed. I just laid there. I ain't get up. I ain't. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. So the calls would come in, and the text messages would even stop the flow. My brother, my brother-in-law, we was going to the store. He's like, "Yo, bro, let me." Like I said, most people, for the most people, for the most part, people know I don't tend to listen to. I listen to music on my own time as to not like be influenced by stuff. But he's like, "Yo, bro, we about to we get a car." He's like, "Bro, I gotta play this for you." Like he's like, "I, I feel like this gonna inspire you." But prior to him even doing that, my brother texted me like the night before, like one, two o'clock in the morning, like, "Yo, bro." You gotta go listen to theme music, bro. You gotta hop on that beat. That joint crazy. So I'm just like, all right. And I listen to that joint. Like I said, we just want to wait this story. We sat in the parking lot just listening to that joint. Cause it was like, damn, this joint bringing, it's making me fall in love with music again yeah. in terms of wanting to do this. Like I'd be, I'm less, I'd be like less inclined to do what I do because the field is just so all over the place. It's like, I don't even want to compete. I'm not want to put myself in the space to have to fight with these people who not doing what I'm doing. All right. You know, if, you know how, music is I feel like like you said it's kind of like falling in love with it it's like music is like falling in love with a person Person. and it's just like damn like why does this make me feel this way it's like gives you all these feelings inside that's what I'm saying and it's like you keep listening to it because you want to keep repeating that same feeling that's why people um 
That's probably why some people say hip hop is dead because they don't get that same, same feeling. Because again, going they don't back get to that, that, that like that, yo, it's, the shock, it's the shock <laughs> value. It's being able to like I make playlists of songs that give me the same feeling every time, and that's what I kind of do to start my day to guide my day. I just it's like like it's a song like let's say a song like Happy Feelings. Depending on who never, I, you never, I don't even know who performed that song at this point. And sometimes they say Earth, Wind, and Fire. Sometimes they say it's Maze. I just know a lot of niggas cover the same song, but that song in general, I can listen to that song over and over yeah, again, and it don't <laughs> get old. Funny thing, when my little brother was born, when he first was born, even understanding the impact that music had, every time he would cry, I would just put on Happy Feelings, and he stopped crying. I think Maze and Frankie probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But if I you want it on a particular album, I don't like I said, I don't know, it get weird. They got that somebody, oh, Earth Wind and Fire got that song right. too. So I'm like, who I'm like, who the hell sing this song? So but Earth Wind and Fire been out long. So it could have been. But then you take a song like um uh People I was that people make the world go round. And Michael Jackson did it, but I think it was Donnie Hathaway or somebody did it, it was like, you know, they got different renditions of the same song, but in that particular song, Happy Feelings, it sounds like the same nigga every time. So, but uh, that song gives you, it's the re, <laughs> right. it's like being able to get the high every time, never losing yeah. it. Like I said, like, and that's why you stay, you listen to certain artists, and like, damn, you made me get this man, feeling before, he better yeah, be like, right. if you give me this feeling again. I'm going back, even listen to like the, R&B, certain artists, certain artists, nineties R&B. That's what that joint never get. Like, how can we My get back to this? Playlist, okay. Can we get back? Like, it's not really no R&B artists no out, out anymore. I want to say it is, but the stuff that they talk about, stuff my dick, this all. I'm just I feel like that's why I said I feel like I we know. get a bunch. We got a bunch of thugs who making R&B. Like, why is it that deep? <laughs> like, that's gonna happen anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. I also even go back to the variation or the variety of voices. That the men had, like, her when the fire again. The song "Imagination." He sing at the end of that song. I don't know what he was going through, but his voice, like his voice, <laughs> is a pitch that I ain't even heard women can go to. Yeah, like <laughs> they had, they had crazy voices. Another person, Tina Marie. Her voice. Yeah. People, people don't give her enough. Her problems. voice is so just unique and powerful. Like what? They don't and, give her enough. And there's not enough people. That got that type of talent nowadays. You got people like, you know, we gon' we gonna market you good. Nobody. <laughs> we gon' market you good. That keeps nobody. Yeah, damn, that <laughs> shit. Yeah, uh, I just like. That's when I fell in love. I I'll say that's when I that big the whole that whole story I just gave you was me falling in love with hip hop. Once you start talking about Earth and the Fire, and then that was just that's me falling in love with music. I feel like it's all tied in together because you know, classical music. Like, I feel all like, of that, all that kind of is like you think about. All right. You think about your family. Which, which, what does your grandma play when you clean in the house? See, what does your mom play in the my, car? Yo, my grandma, she puts on. She puts on a. It's a TV or direct. It's a channel on direct TV or net. Whatever she got, it's called. Uh, Soul Town. So you listening to that music every single day. So we're what were we like twenty seven? So if we're listening to that, so imagine how like with Dr. Dre, all his, he created G Funk. Dr. Dr. Dre. Is so all the music thing. he was listening to, he started his own genre, even though he just picked gangster music to P Funk. Yeah. So you listen to all that music tied together, and they was listening to James Brown. All those people that was in P Funk was in James Brown, Bootsy That's, Collins, listen, George Clinton. <laughs> I was trying to explain. We were talking so about this like the other day. Cycle. You see that the machine over there? The whole concept of having a drum machine. Mm-hmm. All this sandwich. is coming. From 
James Brown, in a sense, if you ever watch the movie, you see him talk about this. When he was trying to explain to his band that everything is a drum. Mm -hmm. The horn is a drum, drum is a drum, piano is a drum. And when he's, when he's saying in terms of everything is a drum, it's the way you play it. If I play the melody on the keys, it's more melodic because it's linear. I can go from here to here. With the drum pad, everything is hitting you with a drive. So that was the kind of music he had. It was very in your face, pump, pump. And people don't understand how they took that concept. I feel like they took that concept and took in that's how that's how they that's what the whole concept of the machine is, is what James Brown was doing. And then he was this cool hurt sampling James Brown records is how hip hop came about. Like all this shit is crazy, man. I said that's why I feel like once you started, once I started getting into the sampling, then I started falling in love with music because now I find myself just entire days just going on listening to genres and just trying to just go for it. Find that, find that sample that Kanye didn't use. That was like my thing at the time. Kanye was just kept taking everything. Like man, him and Dr. Dre, like shit. Him, Dr. Dre, Timbaland. The one, Timbaland. one beat that Timbaland did was like a, a, a Bollywood song. I, I, cause I, if I really like a song, I'll go find a sample. I'm yeah. just like, so I gotta find a I sample. Find a I gotta find a song. It's hard. I gotta hear it. As far like I gotta find out what it is, and then it was like some Bollywood song. Um, I think it was I want to say it was Big Pimpin' because I think he got like sued for it mm. for using one of their samples. Um, he, he did that song for Jay Z, Big Pimpin'. Mm. Um, I gotta go listen to the sample. Hold on. Alright, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You hear it though, you because you can kind of yeah, hear it cause, in your cause mind. I just, because I, I actually went on this loop before in terms of finding somebody brought that up and somebody actually played the sample, and I'm like, this is where they got. And then, yeah, like, we, and like, you think about it, you think about, like, dang, where you find this? Like, yeah, what was he, what was it his mind when he was looking at this, listening to this? And that's when you realize, like, <laughs> say, you be in the crate, you, you start really digging in the crate, and that's when I really started to fall in love with production. Like I said, you started finding, you started, I started diving into stuff that I would never listen to and appreciating more of the stuff that I just thought was just like anything. So it was like, you know, we got the classical music, but jazz is another one. It's just like, you know, you get, if you listen to Reasonable Doubt, they use a lot of jazz samples, you know, they, that, make, that make me go listen to people like who we listening to right now, Lonnie Liston Smith, uh, Ahmed, uh, or Ahmad Jamal, uh, and my, my whole thing when I'm making songs, I'll be really, I, I always try to go for stuff that people didn't use. But you always want to use a sample? I love using, for, I just love, if the sample creates, if it does what I what I wanted to do on an emotional standpoint front, in terms of evoking something in you. Sometimes I hear emotion, and so it might be just one note that's a vocal, and it might just do something to me. I'm like, all right, if it do it to me, it does it to somebody else. Let's just let's just repeat this. So now it gets that it's constantly just hitting that spot. And then now I can just go over there and say whatever, and you connect them with it in a way that you might not would connect with it in terms of if it was just empty. But what I, I what the way it works together is if you sample a lot, what sampling helps you do is understand space because you're not really doing too much. Intro. You're just taking and manipulate what they did, and then you put some drums and stuff to it. But now when you go to making a something from scratch, you can now hear stuff. You hear a space differently than you would because now you used to so used to the sample filling everything up. When you only making something from scratch, it sound empty. You're like, are oh, the beat not done? As long as it's sounding empty, it's not done. Then you, that's when you start to understand how the music comes alive once you add the drums to it and the bass to it. 
and then what it, what progression does as opposed to a loop like how all this plays with your perception in terms of getting you to fall in love with the song it's like that joint just again I don't feel like you could once you once, once you once Kanye kind of like just opened that door and he was ready to start making all that soulful stuff it was like yo you gotta go back gotta go back and just start diving through everything I listen to I listen to uh, music I listen to music from anywhere I'm on a plane coming back from South America and I just so happen to sit next to this dude this white dude from like Maryland but his music knowledge is so extensive we talked maybe the whole plane ride back and I was trying to go to sleep but he had so much knowledge I couldn't and he started telling me about his you know his path in music how he grew up listening to heavy metal but then how you know he started slowly getting into the blues and then he started talking about how Elvis and then would go down to the churches and steal these styles and take and take you know the stuff that they was doing and then you know he started putting me on to you know Afro Peruvian music and different like he his his joint was crazy he gave me a list of just stuff to go look at uh John Coltrane yeah. his music but then also understand that he you know like his 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 hand, Herbie Hancock. I, yeah. we got, I got beats to his stuff already. Yeah. Um, Alice, Alice Coltrane. She was his wife, but she was doing a lot of his stuff that she didn't get credit for. And then that's when he started getting into like I want to say the psychedelic type of jazz and stuff like that. So it was like it's a lot of stuff. But 30s, 40s, gospel, 50s, gospels. People like um, if you ever watch uh, Jungle Fever. Uh, Yo, a lot of his, a lot of, I want to say for Spike Lee, before I'm sorry, cutting you off, a lot of his stuff, his since his dad was a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, Mahalia Jackson, they use a lot of Mahalia Jackson. Yeah, she Mahalia was a gospel Jackson. singer. Gospel singer. Um, I'm going to say all these cookies. What's the lady? She's um, Billie Holiday. Yeah. And that's where you get the blood on the leaves. Yeah. You know but then you got different renditions of that, because then you got Nina Simone. You know, these all these. Speaking of Nina Simone. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Speaking of Nina Simone, one of my favorite samples, and I feel like the person who used the best was the RZA, but Lil Wayne and them is the first people I ever heard use it, and it was the first fine high sample. Like, that joint was just crazy. Yeah, that joint was crazy. And I thought they killed it, but then when they did the New Day and RZA, I'm like, oh, this is the RZA. The RZA, he snapped. Like, I knew you do something. Like, <laughs> and they called me and the RZA connect. I said, oh my God, why you get this beat to me? That's how I be feeling. I be feeling like, sometimes I be feeling like um, I was born behind the right. of my times. Like, Yo. I feel like I should have been rapping with those nods like and all those people. Yeah, like Between... What, 89 and like 90, I want to say like 98, 97. 98, no, I was going to say because 97 was a crazy year, yeah. so you got to squeeze, you got to you got to squeeze 97, anything right. in, you got to squeeze 97. You think about all the albums that came out, I want to say, what albums came out that year though, like, because Remember Without was already out. Yeah, 96, Remember Without was 96, 96, a lot of stuff happened, a lot of stuff happened in 96, Life After Death, you start getting, uh, I'm trying to think, Tupac had crazy, I can't even put. Tupac was just I dropping think music. Eyes, I think All Eyes on Me came yeah, out. Yeah, I'm about to say, you got the All Eyes on Me, Don Kuluminati was like 90, what was that, 98? Um, I want to say, it's around there. They run that too. It was like the stuff get fuzzy I around there. Because they, they, they died in, Biggie died in 97, didn't he? 97, yeah, Tupac, Tupac died in 96. 96. Yeah. Yo, know, it's crazy. I remember the night that Tupac died, like, the effect that it had on my house. 
in terms of like people was really hurt. Me and my uncle was in like a back room. It's crazy. In the back room, my aunt had this like she had the back room, but it was a small room and shit. And it's like I feel like this is a typical '90s room. She had no it's no TV. It's just a bed. It's a radio. It's a bunch of pictures on the wall. Bunch of writing on the wall, people phone numbers and shit, and there's a bunch of dry gum stuck everywhere, like gum that has been around so long they start turning black, and she was just sticking everywhere. It was like, but I was sitting in that room with the lights off and just listening to the radio, and I'm talking like this cassette tape there, so you listen to one side, I gotta flip yeah, it over, you gotta rewind it. and you know what I'm saying, then we listen to Power 99, me and my own show, listening to like Power 99 or something like that, and we dancing, and my cousin came in, and I was like, yo, they killed Tupac, and everybody just like, Drop. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, why is it so important? Like, I, I get it, but why is it so important? Like, sometimes you, I feel like sometimes you just be known with certain artists. Like, I don't get that feeling for artists. Honestly, I, I probably don't say I'm bad, but I really don't get that feeling nowadays with artists. Yeah, I don't wish you death know, on anybody. But it's like, it's like, like, like nowadays we're not know. connecting. We don't yeah. connect to the point. You know, people just be out of so out of touch. Like I said, you get it's just different. People be so hidden and so. They, people, I don't know if people are necessarily projecting the true selves and real selves in terms of trying to sell themselves. It just be hard to it, it hard to support certain people with certain stuff. Just connect with them as people. I want to say J Cole. Yeah, I'm about to say he's the because you don't person. see him too much anymore. And I can say even my experience with J Cole is him. he was accessible, yeah. especially early. He still is. I said I mean he may I don't know what it is now, but early when you approach when I approached him and I was talking to him, I didn't get that. I'm a star, you know what I'm saying? It was like, cool, like, I want to connect with you. I don't want nothing from you. I just want to, like, let's not be J. Cole and a fan. Let's just be two people. And it's like, even though I'm looking at it like, yo, you J. Cole, my eyes, the fact that you did not play on that, and you brought me, he, like, kind of, in a sense, brought you in. Like, yo, we chilling. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just chill. Like, niggas, it was somebody, it's crazy, because the whole time, the first time I, I, I met him, it was like, I wanted to do that thing that I do. I want to rap. I want to like, yo, I just, I want to rap. But I'm like, no, nah, just chill, just, just chill. And then somebody came up like, yo, we're trying to hand him a tape. And I see the way he responded to that. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad I ain't do that. I was just on some chill shit. Then he was like, yo, y'all want some Hennessy or something? We back there. Was like, I rather, I rather cap, I rather really get this moment than to try to make another moment that ain't even here yet. Right. Yeah, it was like this shit might turn into something. Just on some right. chill shit. That's how Look, Two Chains and uh, Lil Wayne fucked up together because he never tried to rap to him. Two Chains never tried to rap to him. Two Chains never tried to pass him no album. It was just cool. He always like because Two Chains was like the weed man. The weed man. And I'm yeah. like that's how I, that's how I never I never pass my music off to people. I always pass, that's always something else. It, either, you know, I might it might be either like the, the the knowledge thing or the or comedy or something like that. But music is still something that I just for me it's my thing. I always like keep it. It's my thing. I don't want to like if it, it comes up, it, and it, you know, if it comes up, it comes up, but it's never, it's not something that I project. Yeah. So, all right, it's our next question. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good question. That was good. That's it. Yeah, that's fire. So, that's fire. Though we covered a lot. That's fire. Though into a lot. We might use that part. Honestly, yeah. I might cut some stuff up, but we're gonna use that part because yeah. it was just, it was just, it was just organic. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the next question would be: listening to your albums, like the first time listening, what should they? What do you think they should hear first? What should they pay attention to? <sighs> Elaborate more with the question. Like, take me, like, give me a more. So, uh, your lyricism, 
should we listen to your lyricism? Should we? Should, is uh, your? Is your? Are you telling a story like how right, Kendrick sure. Lamar told a story? So now I'm gonna just go as I answer this question. I'm. I don't really have an answer. I'm just. I'm. I, I have an answer, but I'm going to play on things that I've been told in terms of. You know, as I'm making music, I'm never making it with intent. I'm just doing it, and it's not until I interact with other people that I become aware of what I did. So, and listening to my music, the thing that I would say is the lyricism, definitely, for a fact. Uh, concepts, like, you know, the way my mind works, it's a chance to, you know, to see, get you to see the way my mind works. What about the production? Production was going to be the next, the next, the last thing that I went to, or the next thing I went to. Um, just through doing a through, through doing a podcast and different things of that nature, you know, you come across other people depending on who you're on a podcast with. So just what happened, one of my homies I'm doing a podcast with had another guest there. He just happened to be a, a, a writer for like the New York Times and Complex, I believe, and things of that nature. But anyway, he ended up doing the, the piece for uh, Jay, a, a piece for like 25th year anniversary or 28th year anniversary for Reasonable Doubt. Oh yeah, so, that was that was last year. That, yeah, that was two years, two years ago. ago. So yeah, yeah, so this is so this that's when this happened. So you know, as we're talking I, in a podcast, I really just like I'm entertaining it, but in my mind is I'm talk. I gotta talk to him after this is done. So after it's done, you know, I talk, I talk to him. And I'm just basically like, listen, I want you to listen to my album. You know, you just you just basically you know did a piece on this and got to get to Jay Z and then he comes back to you. And I believe what Jay Z said to him was, you know, this is one of the better pieces in terms of being able to connect, to to almost describe where he was at when he made that album. And it was basically, you know, him playing on the whole quarter life crisis thing when Jay Z made that album. He was like 25, I mean, 26, 27, roughly the same age as me at this point. So. Him, he don't know is. You know what's crazy? I'm feeling like I'm sorry to cut you. Off. I'm gonna cut you no, off no, it's cool. But like, I feel like we were starting late just because of age. Yeah. But you think about all the people that started late: Oprah, Jay Z. Um, who else? And it's going back to time. See, we got a we got Harrison a warp. Ford. We got a warp time perception. <laughs> right. You think you post? You don't know what twenty. We we based it on what, what we based it on twenty seven based on whatever our parents said or yeah. something like that. You, you know the American dream. You supposed to be here and this by this and it's like, it's kids, like no, you know. life is just it's happening. And all those you think about all those people that just like yo again that's that structure you got right. stuck into and that they, structure. They still here. That's like now you, you thirty. Is you find yourself being thirty or forty with multiple kids, a job that you like and it's like damn I started I just started just because I ain't question nothing. Yeah. Hey, what about Lil Arrow? Like, hey, you don't mind smoking? Yeah, no, that's fine. Are y'all coming? Alright. I oh, can yeah. smoke. I work out. Oh, yeah. Alright, yeah, y'all fine. But <laughs> so he what he don't know is reasonable doubt is like my measuring stick. And my life, and my whole every time I make an album is like, alright, I'm trying to make my version of reasonable doubt. So that the last album I did, Mars Money Music, was heavy influenced by that. So it's another reason why I wanted him to listen. And he listened to it, and the first thing he said to me was, "Yo, you got an ear for production." And that just, you know, I always felt like I had an ear just because I like music, but I never had nobody verbalize it. I never had nobody verbalize it until the point where. I understand. Oh, yeah. you brought in like, oh, y'all, y'all right back in the minute. Right back in the minute. That's what I'm saying. Like, Stop like this. Like, what's going on, bro? Yeah. So, yeah, so, but, uh, y'all, we kind of doing like an interview. So, y
this people. Um, yeah, so he listened to that. He was like, he understand my story. He understand where I'm trying to go with it. He, and I got a great ear for production. And that was the thing for me. Again, I never, I'm never trying to do nothing in the moment. It just be happening. I go back and listen to my first project ever. And like I said, I did everything. I did the mixing. I did the, I, I, ch- I chose the production. And the lyrics, for me, that's like one of my best projects because there was nobody else involved. I wasn't getting opinions. I was just doing. And I started to see, again, like, just music just came natural to me. And then once I get into the story of my dad doing music and my grandpa doing music, I understand why now. But lyricism, storytelling ability, ability, the relatability, you know, the realness of my music is very, it comes, all my music comes from my soul. Like, if I don't, if the, if the, if the, if the instrumental or the production don't touch my heart, I can't. The song won't feel forced. So those are the type of songs that I usually tend to deal with when I'm either like high or something. Cause now I could just we doing anything. We just having fun with music at that point, as opposed to trying to get a message across. And that's like kind of I hate having to separate myself in that aspect. I like to be able to get my message across while having fun, while making a great hit. I think that's the rock in me. I can't even make a crazy joint for the party, but he seeing some, he dropping knowledge, but you in that joint dancing to it, and I feel like that's what we don't got no more. Those type of songs where the production is fat enough to, we watched The Wood yesterday, like you get that, that whole vibe. The production fat enough to throw at a school dance, but if you, li- if you decide you want to listen to the lyrics, there's some substance there too. It ain't, the song is hot, but then once you turn the beat off, you listen to the lyrics, and I'm saying, suck my dick. Oh, suck my dick. Oh, it's like, bro, you ain't really saying that. Like, and I feel like rule of thumb is if you won't listen to the lyrics without the production, you not really, you don't really like the song. You know, they can't, nobody can't captivate you with an acapella. You know, still a moment with just words alone. Yeah, that was saying that. That's if you listen to me close enough, you can hear the influence of battle rap in terms of delivery. So watch it, Cadence. I still watch it from time to time. I don't watch it. I don't think I don't, it has I, I, I don't, I don't, think I don't, it started to lose its feeling. Yeah, it, and that's because the money started getting there. It became more WWE, WWF, where it's we selling the show now. It ain't about it ain't about just the skill no more. It's about the entourage, how you looking, people trying to sell your brand. I get that. But for me, I don't listen. Like, it was a point in time where every day I'm on the computer. Now, I go months without listening to it to try to go back to see if I can get that feeling back. From being away from so far, but it don't do the same stuff to me that it do as opposed to when I first started getting into battle rap. One, the whole Philly scene and everything that they were doing, they was making whole careers off going at people. But then once you get to like Smack and URL, the earlier stages of that, where people not doing, you know, the early loaded Lux, you know, when he first started. Battle rap back, for me was probably 2012. I can uh, that was see now, so I can say 2010 2011 as far as URL is when I kind of picked up on that I think my made my first one of the one of the first battles that really hooked me and caught me was I think like Hitman versus Arsenal that was that was the one joint that really had me just keep going over and over again and then I just started falling in love with just certain people so Hitman to an extent I liked him then he started falling off K-Shine but like another dude, I like to start falling off. But then you got, I got, see, I like certain people that people don't be, I feel like people be sleeping on. Like, uh, I like, I like Chilla Jones. I like Chilla Jones. He's like, I like, and his lyrics, his con, his content, his schemes be coming from out of nowhere. Like, I think he got the battle. One of my favorite battles with him is the one against Daylight. Yo, he said rock, paper, scissors. He said the deuce, deuce. He said something. 
forgot what he said. Cause he said rock paper. I don't know. I gotta watch it. Cause that, that was like probably the hardest. Oh, part. one of the one of the he got this pin. He did a pill scheme when he was when he on D like. But then he got this one line where I think he might have he might have like segued off and start talking about Tay Rock. But then you know Tay Rock, Tay Rock be you know that's light and he was, he started talking about you know how he said something like you know I wouldn't even you know give Tay Rock the time of day everything he brew is real light and I'm like oh shit when he start Shots. breaking when he start breaking words when, that's how I see words when, so when you start flipping words and pronouncing them different it's like that's the thing I like you start contorting stuff um, I like I like uh, Charlie Clips with his 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 improbability. I think I don't like it anymore because nobody nobody's different. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. You start seeing people create styles and everybody's just running with certain things and then you start seeing Nobody people running with names and then people taking people's schemes and flipping it was like no originality and that's why i said that's why i feel like it really then i started listening to the proving ground people trying to look for you know somebody just some somebody, somebody like fresh and they some, huh? i feel like some of, some of them you had some people but then some people it's kind of like all right so this remedy works let me keep doing it let me keep see let me see if it works for me and that's why i feel like bad i feel like battle rap as a whole may have just been burnt out like it just got burnt out, and that's why I say I can't. I don't. I'm not interested in looking at everybody. It's certain ma- matches that I wanted to see, but then they waited so long to look. To, they waited so long to do certain matches that's not even appealing no more. Yeah, it was like I feel like things are, things are only as appealing as they are rare. It's like the ones that become, a lot of people start getting to it. Like, yeah, it was like when they both went to their prime, you wouldn't see it. And we, I understand that's just the business. That's we gonna milk the hype. Yeah. We gonna get all our money in one in like short period of time. I think they, like, I think they could got more money back then. To me, if they would have did maybe two years after, after yeah. that. But, but yeah, that was. So that, what's, what's, that was so. Oh, what we go we to said, the bottom, sis. I said yeah. lyricism, production, storytelling, um, relatability. Those are like the, but, yeah, from the, the, be able to, the ability to be able to connect. That's probably first and foremost. That's the starting point. Uh, you ready? Yeah. So, what will be different from your first album oh, to your second album? Is? Not necessary progression. You saying what is the difference, or like would I change something? What is the difference? Not and not progression. Though. All right. So the thing I would say the difference from my first album, not even to my second one, but all we even to now was. Me being alone, I don't really like my second album as much as like the first and my last because there was so many hands on it. Mm-hmm. There were so many people telling me that you gotta, you can't do this this way. This is the way people do it. You can't do this this way. This is the way people do it. And then you gotta do this and you gotta do this this way. That was the thing I didn't like about it because my first album, I was just acting on pure instinct and it turned out to be great. Mm-hmm. Second album. The progress. I say the step that I made from the first album to the second album was really trying to do all my own production in terms of having unique production, as opposed to you know being on sound clips, finding stuff that people made, going over freestyling over beats of my favorite artists. I really wanted to get into the song making process. With the, the the second album was all song making ability, being able to actually make a whole full length project, all original production, all original songs. That was that. Third, going into the third album, which getting back into a mode of taking over complete control, meaning input with the production, what beats we using, 
uh, mixing my vocals. I hated the way that the person mixed my vocals the second time. Yeah, it was like I would, I, I appreciate the moment that I was in, but going back, I can say that's the thing that was missing. And I, and all of these things are just again me. It seemed like I got a, I got I got away from trusting my instincts to listen to people in a process to now trying to incorporate that. Like I said, it it, it it was part of it, but I could have. I feel like I I, I don't want to say I could have did without. It was necessary, but looking back on it, that's what I would say I didn't like. Plus, like Kanye West when he went away to Hawaii, like you said, he just and he made that he came out with my beautiful. And that and that was what my last project is. I just went away. I just locked myself in a crib for months. You might just always have to do that. And that's what I say. I would never. Once you establish the formula, you don't go back. Yeah. You never go back. So, again, I recorded my. I recorded. I basically did everything until it was time to mix it, and then I got the person who mixed it in the same room with me, and we sat down, and I said, listen, do this, no, do this, do this, do this, so I'm still the mind, but he's just the hand that's guiding everything, because I don't know all the technicalities of how to do anything, but I just know the sound. I know what music is supposed to sound like. So from the first project to the second project, I would say I lost more control. I lost control in some aspect and gained more control. And then the third project was the culmination of everything, meaning hands-on, still still having people, you know, with their input, but being with being more selective. And then, you know. How many producers did you work on with this album, with the uh, second album? <laughs> what? In terms of just the people I deal with, the second one, on, on the second album was only two. Okay. My homies, uh, Rocket Boy and O'Keefe, they cousins. Right? The third project was more my man SL Juice, and which is funny because that's like his debut. You know, we kind of started together. He wasn't, he didn't make beats before I started rapping. And then I watched him go through his process of learning how to make beats and Fruity Loops, and then learning how to make beats on the machine. And he was making beats for a long time. He just wasn't comfortable enough to release them. So it was like, all right, well, bro, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take all your beats. I'm gonna take the beats that you're making. I'm gonna put songs to them. To, you know what I'm saying? So you can see that this shit is real. So the majority of production was steam headed by him, and it just kind of makes sense because that was my roommate throughout college. So we like the same person in a sense, the same vibe. Um, you had, you know, Rocket Boy and O'Keefe had some production on there, but not as much. And even moving forward now, my little brother is starting to come into the fold now. I'm trying to include his production. Everybody has a unique sound. And for me, it's about getting the perfect blend. You know what I'm saying? That for like, if you listen to my album, Miles Money Music, it's a storyline. It's a, and to get away from the lyrics and the details and the specifics, if you listen to the sound, it goes from warm to dark to warm again. And if you listen to the skits in between, I, I use some like, you know, paid and full stuff, but it's, there's a drowning that happens in the middle of the album, and that's like a, a flushing of emotions to just see, oh, things ain't that bad. So that was like the trip that I was trying to take people on. I didn't know I was doing that at the time, but that's just how it, it played out. So yeah, I can say that's, that, that is the, the difference between every album. And now, from this, from the last album moving forward is, now you're starting to incorporate business, becoming more efficient, process you know videos and different things like that a lot of stuff was sporadic learning in the moment real chaos scattered out where now everything is more yeah, refined you know, you 
Now I'm working with more precision. Not I'm not using as much energy to get a little bit of results. You know what I'm saying? But way more tactical, precise, and all right, bam. I only make music. I'm only really trying to make music when the scene is set to make music. So the producers in here, we're gonna work my mind trying to write songs every day because. You hit walls, and I just don't be wanting to wait. I, I, that's my whole thing. I don't, I don't say wait. I think everything I write can be a Grammy song. So then I stop wanting to waste content just for the sake of people saying, yo, you a rapper, release something, release something, release something. That's another thing. Come and, I can't I have to become more patient with my work. Because again, I'm starting operating on the fact that, well, now I ain't released music in the year, so if I'm doing now, then people going to forget, and then I'm going to be, it's like, nah. If you pay attention to the thing, you ahead of the game, really. You got three projects in before certain people even had one at certain age. And not only, you're not just doing the rapping, but you're doing the production, the engineering. It's like, my process is different from other people. If I was just a rapper, that'd be different. But I'm trying to go Quincy, you know, type of level with this shit. So, I can say that that's what it is. Those are three great questions. So now...